back, everybody, to another episode of the Overdue Rentals podcast, the show where we talk about films that, hey, maybe they just never got enough attention when they first came out. Maybe they were big award winners, just nobody seems to talk about them anymore. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And this week, I must remind everyone, the podcast remains intact. You just can't see certain episodes of it. And that includes today's very mysterious adventure, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And uh, to talk about this show, I was allowed to uh, bring a good friend and, and colleague on. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a wives and sweethearts, may they never meet uh, sort of scenario <laughs> here. We've got Adam B. Sox, Bower Sox from 95KGGO in Iowa. Hi, how are you guys? Oh, Hello. Adam. I'm- I'm so glad we've yeah that that's basically, that's basically it it's it's uh it's been busy in Tinseltown and uh yeah. it's got us all running sort of I I gotta uh, say thank you for uh allowing me to be the last ditch effort in this when Mike was explaining me uh to me the the, the podcast he's like yeah memoirs of an invisible man is one that we probably won't get anybody to talk to ever so yeah we'll throw it to you it's like oh thanks I, I appreciate that well so. you know it's something we'll get into, but, you know, pretty much apparently everybody involved with it from from Chase to Carpenter to who else knows, just a bore of the movie. Well, Carpenter, from what I understand, is a prickly man in general, but we'll we'll throw that in when we get in there. Uh, I'd just like to uh, clear up uh, Mr. B-Sox fuckface's point here. Um, we gave you a list of films and you I gave did. us a handful of options, which was great. And this was the one that we used by process of elimination. Yes, but like you said, it, when you wrote back, you're like, yeah, that's the one we don't think we'll ever, we, we wanted Darren, Han- or uh, what's her name? Uh, 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 I wanted to call yeah, her Darren. Darren, yeah. Daryl, <laughs> I wanted to call her Derek Hanna for some reason. I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that is not right. But yeah, it's like, oh, we're never going to get anybody for that movie. So yeah, let's talk about that. But anyways, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And Mike does a fantastic job when he comes in and talks about uh, movies every week on our uh, uh, the radio show. And uh, he's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, 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 yes, he's got a 151, the 151 show with uh, your wonderful co-host, Justin. Justin, I miss you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mike, you're cheating on me? Mike's cheating on you a lot. With Wives Mike. and sweethearts, ladies and gentlemen. Wives and sweethearts. And with this beard, I am the sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, for real, for the, for those who have never seen Memoirs of an Invisible uh, I can I can't even say it. Memoirs of an Memoir. Invisible Man. It is a 1992 Invisible Man film that was directed by John Carpenter, starring Chevy Chase of all people. <laughs> um, you know, which was which was the big thing when it came out. I was like, why Chevy Chase? But you know. Look, the I mean, oddities that are presented in the history of this film are enough to make a movie because, I, all right, did, did anybody else take a look at, at sort of the, the Cliff's notes of what this went through? Oh, yeah. But why don't, you, why don't you remind everybody, Mike, who didn't? So basically, Memoirs of an Invisible Man was a novel in the 80s by H.F. Saint. And before it was even finished, uh, Chevy Chase gets his hands on it from his agents. And Chevy Chase is like, hot on the prospect is like oh yeah hot shit let's do this you know just think of that in your best chevy chase i actually give a fuck about something voice so originally this went out to ivan reitman after ghostbusters and the film i believe the original drafts were written by william goldman who you know movie geeks will bow at this man's feet because it was you know marathon man princess bride like this guy is screenwriter among screenwriters Project sort of starts to shift. Ivan Reitman leaves. 
And at one point, William Goldman's like, look, I'm too rich to even care. No, I'm, I need to look up the exact book because this is such a, this is one of those baller moments where it's like, I know my worth. Uh, I'm too old better than too this. rich for this shit. <laughs> Just once I want to be able to say that oh, I'm too rich to do this. Yeah. That shake and yeah. bake, it's going back on the shelf because we're doing regular frying tonight. <laughs> So basically it finds its way to John Carpenter. Uh, he originally kind of didn't want to do it, but took the project. And then comes the fact that Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah were apparently, according to John Carpenter, living nightmares to work with. Chevy Chase would like take off the Invisible Man makeup and prosthetics early in the day, like totally killing a shoot. And eventually it just got to a point where this movie exists um and probably because of the grace of whatever deity you believe in this was a 30 to 40 million dollar film released in 1992 at the end of february that only made 14.4 million dollars and i'm very curious as to what this ran up against because it was actually number two ah wayne's world yeah there was no way you were beating wayne's world in 1992 you know, it's funny, it's funny too, because I remember when the film was coming out, because it was right when I was on that verge of really getting into being like kind of a film buff at a young age, uh, you know, where, where like, yes, I, I knew John Carpenter, I knew Halloween, I'd seen Halloween, so on and so forth. But that was, look, we were, I'm not going to say we're better than everybody else, but we were a little bit ahead of the time. My father was a fan of the thing when it came out. He was one of the people who liked it when it came out. And to me, that was like, Hey, here's a film from the guy who's made the thing with Chevy Chase and it's a visible man. It's like, oh, I Sam Neill, oh, he's a big thing now. Let's go see it, you know. Chevy Chase demanding to be taken seriously in this film, like to the hilt. Yeah. But uh Adam, uh Mr. B Sox, beardly man. Yes. Yeah, so what was your first experience with memoirs of an invisible man? Uh, I was a kid stupid about movies and I really thought it was cool. I wasn't high class like Matt here and ahead of my I time. I thought it was real cool too. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it came here. I mean, it came along at a time. I, let's see, 92, I would have been 11 years old when it came out. You know, special effects are just starting to kind of take off and you watch a trailer and it's like, God damn, that, that bubble gum's chewing itself. That's just it's doing it by itself. And then, you know, you, you go and watch it. And as a kid, you're like, okay, that's cool. You know, and then you watch it years later. And you're like, did I just watch? It's funny though. Cause you talk about that. This is not just the memoirs of invisible man. This is me with everything that I enjoyed when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I, I still, I rewatch them and yes, I understand that they're not good and I don't find that they're good films, but I still reminisce about them in a nostalgic way that I actually like, you know what? Yeah. I, I like it. I'm going to watch it. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody should watch it and everybody thinks should think it's brilliant, but I ha I go back to those feelings I had when I first saw it as a kid. And yeah. I didn't even like, when, look, when I was yeah, the same age, around 11, 12 years old, uh, I said to myself, you know, in my head, this is, you know, this is one of those two and a half star films. It's like, yeah, it's not awful, but nothing right home about, but I'm going to watch it when it's on. That's and, the thing. It, yeah. You 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 see it pop up now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's a great movie, but if it popped up like on TBS or TNT or you know when you're going through you know the deep files on one of the the, the streaming services, am I going to watch it? Yeah, probably. Just like Mr. Destiny, but it, it's just, <laughs> well, I, it's just I, one of those movies that I start watching. I'm like, yeah, this is awful, but I'm going to watch it. It's Adam, like, are you, Adam, are what? you saying that Mr. Destiny? 
with Academy Award winner Michael Caine. Is that a movie worthy of your of your time? I, I saw Mr. Destiny in the theater. I can remember that. And it was like a double feature for some. It was it was so weird. What was a double feature? Taking care of business? I don't remember. That, that's the thing. I just remember seeing it. I'm like, man, this doesn't seem like a kid's movie, but I'm a kid. Anyways, but I, you know what? Belushi I, sounds good. This James Belushi sounds cool. I think I'm going to watch him. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, you look at this movie, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and you know, you, like you said, uh, Ivan, you know, he stepped out because he didn't want to do it. And, you know, you know next, like how many people did they go through before they got to John Carpenter? Because that doesn't seem like a likely progression of actors no. or, uh, excuse me, directors at Hollywood where it's like, uh, John Carpenter, anyone? Yeah. As much as I love Carpenter, this movie does not feel like a concept that he would have immediately glommed onto, as we heard. But also, it doesn't look like it because honestly there's two things that i just thought of when it comes to memoirs of an invisible man and two things that were sort of ruling or sort of dawning in hollywood just waiting to collide in the literally the next year this is around the time that steven spielberg was the blockbuster king and he would have these like sort of concepts although to be honest this feels more like a joe dante movie than a than a john carpenter movie i think joe dante would have knocked this out of the park but also, this is Crichton country. This is when Michael Crichton is a like hot shit, best-selling author. He, we haven't gotten to Jurassic Park just yet, but at this point we had had, I think Rising Sun might have been before this, if not soon after this. Well, Westworld uh, was way before it. Westworld was way before it. Andromeda Strain, like his books right now were sort of holding court and every now and then you'd see something adapted we weren't at the point where it was like peak Crichton where you had Jurassic Park Lost World uh Eaters of the Dead turning into 13th Warrior that sort of thing but those sort this looks like a sort of Spielberg paranoid techno thriller that may have been in Crichton's wheelhouse because of like these wide shots with those sort of the 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 slick sort of lighting like that scene where they first discover Nick after the accident yeah that looks kind of like Spielberg's milieu of like paranoid government agents hunting this thing. Well, yeah, but let's be real. I mean, you you say it doesn't feel like it would be in the Carpenter wheelhouse. Now I understand that, but let's not also forget that there are films that people forget about. Like Carpenter made Starman. Oh no, no, I was I was gonna throw that point in as well, where it's like it doesn't feel like the identifiable Car yeah. John Carpenter genre that everybody like he made they live right before this. Like that's un it, unquestionably yeah. Carpenter. <laughs> but no one would have thought that he'd follow it up with this. Yeah. I almost feel like this movie, like you look at it because I think it's one of those movies that suffers from it doesn't know what it wants to be because it kind of is a romantic comedy. It's kind of an action movie. It's kind of a noir movie. It's kind of this, it's kind of that. It's like you took 15 different directors and said, here, direct this scene and we're going to make it into a movie. And with respect to the man, it's Chevy Chase's fault because there was something, he had a buck up his ass to turn the, it, it, I, I equate this to Chevy Chase's Casino Royale 1967, because Peter Sellers got cast as James Bond and he's like, ooh, I get to be James Bond. This is wonderful. But the movie wanted him to be silly and wacky and kooky and he leaves in the middle of the production. Well, that's the thing. Like you look at uh, some movies out there, like a really good action movie can have funny parts or a sad part. But it still knows that it's an action movie. This movie, it's like, okay, it's kind of, it's got, listen, it's got funny parts when he's uh, uh, holding the drunk guy up 
who I, I can't think of who the actor is, but the guy, the, hey, you take me down. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I mean, really, but then you get into some of the action and some of the other. I, yeah, it's just, it's like, what, what are you trying to do here? If you look at Chevy when he's still visible, which is not for much of the film at all, he's not, he's not awful. It's not like he's bad when he's playing the straight man, but it's just knowing who he is and hearing his voice when it's just kind of this ethereal piece of him, even when it's just masked over, even if it's being delivered, not even deadpan, but kind of just maybe bland, you're still thinking of, you know, like him trying to deliver fletch lines. Well, that's and the thing. It doesn't work. Off that, off that thought, I think the part that works the least in this movie is when he's trying to do the film noir stuff where it's like, you know, I'm just a man lost in the streets of San Francisco trying to make my way. I couldn't call anybody. I couldn't do, you know, that's the stuff where it's like, um, really Chevy that that's the one we want to go with here. I think the thing that suffers more is when he's trying to be the badass, especially in the scene where, who does he get to be a badass against? I don't know. Um, 1992 almost was in the living daylights, but didn't make it. Sam freaking Neal. Well, look, I don't, I'm not, I love Sam Neal. I think everybody loves Sam Neal, but I also think he could be at fault for part of it too. For like, look, I mean, I know, I know what he's got to act against. And this is before you could have a guy, well, not necessarily before, but nobody was doing where you could have a guy dressed in a whole entire green sock and and act out with you. But like that whole, like, (laughs) Oh, you had the gun against my head. I'm trying to, you know, like I'm oh, trying the- to like his hands pinned behind him, and it's like it looks so so stale and fake. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's good stuff. Daniel never got to be James Bond because he's a real good evil spy, a hard nosed spy in this. Well, this you think about this this movie. Like, if you go, if you knew what you were gonna do with it, maybe you don't have, you know, Chevy or uh, uh, Hannah or you know, some of the other people that were the problems, like this is almost a good, like there, there's a skeleton of a really cool movie in there. There really is. And you know what, that one of the things that I really liked about it, it wasn't one where the invisible guy goes nuts and kills everybody. Or, yes. or, or yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a stalkery part there, but it doesn't, doesn't take it too far. And plus it was, ne- invisibility was never the goal. Like it was just, oh, we were doing something with nuclear physics, but Invisible. Shit, I'm invisible. <laughs> happened at school, and then he's like, "Yeah, I can't do shit with this. Like, I want to eat, I want to take things, but people will see me, and then that's attention, and then tubes up my ass." But just there is a. I I, I was thinking about like how would this have gone with Ivan Reitman like in like 86 or 85 I think they said that or 85 he was going to do it and then he went and did legal eagles and then twins after that like this this would have been in somewhere in between the two Ghostbusters movies and I'm thinking what if he well Daryl Hannah might have still been in it because she was eventually picked up for legal eagles but what if we had Redford as Nick Holloway and then Schwarzenegger as uh where did that come come from he'd be a great evil spy look i mean you know adam i think was saying it earlier the film didn't necessarily know what it was what it wanted to be and i don't think that is like a carpenter thing i think it's a script thing no yeah carpenter could fix it but i don't think he did because it's it, it is too many different things 
and it doesn't it never fully fits the noir enough and it just has those little bits of elements and it is a very much so more of trying to be a romantic dramedy over everything else but then there is like the espionage feel to it and then there is the slight comedy feel to it so i don't know if who you put into it unless they completely overhaul that script it would have done anything better yeah no it's just it really was the case of it was a vanity project this was a chevy chase vanity project that kind of got out of hand but even in that did we even uh do the quick rundown of what this movie's about uh, yeah well we just said we said it was an invisible man movie we didn't give him the the more plotty i want my molecules back that's what it was about. <laughs> oh my god um, even me watching it, i forgot that that's a line <laughs> <laughs> well i was looking up the uh some of the stuff about it and the taglines were like oh that's so 19 an adventure like you've never seen <sighs> yeah well, well, exactly. this is the best one though this is somebody in hollywood went this is awesome <laughs> women want him for his wit the cia wants him for his body all nick wants is his molecules back <laughs> you just basically sold us on nick cage playing this part the way you just read it was but hitting that would have been interesting you've made my molecules back no i mean if you go action you know a nick cage would have been kind of cool in that part uh, I I was kind of thinking about it. Imagine uh, if you went more kind of the romantic way and a little bit of the sci-fi because he's trying to get his molecules back. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks I mean, could have been very interesting with this. And uh, at the time, he would have been much more of the of the style for it too, because he still wasn't the big star. You know, he was still yeah. he was still the comedy guy. Uh, the other one I was thinking, like if you went action, like imagine Tom Cruise at the time. That could have been cool. And you know what? Yeah. If you go the noir route uh, where you really make it that, imagine Sam Neill as Nick yeah. I kind of was, he, actually. I think he could have pulled it off better. This was one of my first introductions to Sam Neill between this and Dead Calm, which definitely- Dead Calm's Dead Calm. We have to come on the list, right? I think so. It that, has that to be because Dead Calm is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Billy, Billy Zane. Yes, <laughs> Billy Zane, Nicole Kidman, and Sam Neill are in a movie together. And if you're not already watching it, thank you for listening to Overdue Rentals. Well, Deadcom's, Deadcom's a great movie, though. Deadcom Dead is a legit movie. good movie. No, it is. But let's not let's not get off. Let's get too far off the rails and get to a whole Deadcom episode all of a sudden. Mike, do you want to give people the, the bigger rundown though before we keep going? Oh yeah. So in case if and, and if you haven't picked up on it or gleamed as to what the kids are talking about with Memoirs of an Invisible Man. A stock analyst by the name of Nick Holloway, played by Chevy Chase, uh, finds himself in a bit of a molecular accident where he loses the ability to be seen. No he's, one knows. He falls that. asleep during like what was it? It was like more he's like, like, like a, uh, during like a prospectus or like a lecture. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even like a big. It's not even like a big to do. It's just like oh, we're having we're having a, a meeting. It just happens yeah. to be the shit goes off. Yeah, because the guy, he, the guy lost the, he lost the ability to be seen. Like, he, you make it sound like you just went, crap, nobody can see me anymore. How do I do this? Considering how this apocalypse kind of kicks off where it's just a guy spilling coffee on a keyboard and then it's like, oh, oh, fire. Oh, now things are happening. Like, normally it's like, okay. If only they had the giant floppy disk to save the world back then. <laughs> It's like, okay, that coffee hits the keyboard. That's just when it happens. And that's how everything, but it's like a slow, like, oh, no, no, no. It's like, okay, so this could have been prevented. 
but obviously with this guy putting his coffee right on top of the console, it's like, okay, well, maybe it couldn't have. You're just batting like a, a fucking thousand in the IQ Olympics here. How are this you working? This part where like one of us spills something on our keyboard and we go invisible. I just like how he goes and takes a nap in a sauna on a wood bench. Who has a sauna at a molecular science lab? What was even the me? What was even the press conference about? Not even press conference. Whatever it was, what was it about again? Too, I don't even remember now. Going through history, like a like a history of like limestone being used to like uh, I don't know because they they apparently cared as much as Chevy Chase's character it's, did. Okay, it's a shareholders meeting at a laboratory. Got it. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, no, it, it really is. So thank you. No, no, it is. No, no. But <laughs> I, I do take back the question of why there was a sauna in there because I re- I used to work in the defense industry and I remember stories about this building that had a bar next to the cafeteria and every Friday, like people would get crocked at this place. So I take back the whole sauna thing. Stranger things have happened in, in the military industry. Speaking about getting cronked or whatever whatever terminology that was. Crocked. No, crocked. Um, <laughs> I will say, along with the I want my molecules back thing, I must say, because Mike knows this because we've talked about it many a time, because for those who have listened before, but Adam, since you don't know, I have not thrown up in 31 years. And I what? plan on never throwing up ever again in my life. So vomit yeah. in movies is something, like I can watch gory, gory stuff, but when somebody's even fake vomiting, I'm like, I don't want to see it. But... I can watch the invisible man vomit stuff that they did in this, which at the time was like, oh, look how cool we're going to be. Here's, here's the interior lining of somebody's stomach digesting stuff. Whoa, here it comes back up. <laughs> yeah, I read they basically had to film this movie twice in order to do like the imagery that they were capturing. Something along those lines. I remember why, I remember this is definitely one of those films that like, I, yeah, I did see in the theater, but like you'd come home and, Cinemax would have like the behind the scenes special before showing something else. And they would show you all like, Oh, look what we did, you know? And I, I, it's hard to remember it, but I remember visualizing. Yeah. A lot of stuff was filmed with just nothing there and then filmed with some stuff hanging on wires and then filmed with actual like stand-ins so on and so forth. Well, what's really interesting and something that we've all kind of touched upon in our own way in this conversation this was a movie that definitely benefited from heavy rotation on HBO. I th- in fact, I think it was, it, it was in this era that Warner Brothers bought HBO. So it was a Warner Brothers movie that, you know, they probably didn't have to pay anything to, to get it on there, you know. And we're probably one of the last generations that sort of, or one of the only generations that has that sort of experience. Like this was one of those movies like My Blue Heaven where they just throw it into the rotation because it doesn't cost much didn't do or maybe it did something at the box office but just it was a warner brothers movie so they could put it on whenever they wanted yeah but but my blue heaven in the same breath was something that people whether they didn't know about it before they saw it on hbo love (laughs) where memoirs of the invisible man (laughs) my blue heaven or memoirs of Heaven. what if it was in the same universe oh what 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 if My Blue Heaven was in the same universe as Memoirs of an Invisible Man? And you took Steve Martin and made him Nick Holloway, but as uh, his character from My Blue Heaven, uh, which, which I can't think of what his name is. So picture this. I'm in this laboratory. I don't know what's freaking going on. All of a sudden, I'm invisible. Well, well I let's. Maybe I could steal some typewriters, do some sort of thing. <laughs> Just, that, and then fun. the music hits. <laughs> 
It's interesting though, because to 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 not to, to take off the the comedic side of it, but I mean, we all know, you know, Chevy Chase never he's tried, but he's the only person out of all of these comedians all over the world who could never pull off a serious film. Steve Martin, if we wanted to really have him pull up, we know he can. We know how good he is. Oh, all, yeah. these, all these other comedians, comedic actors, we'll call them at this point, we know how good they are. Chevy Chase, yeah. He seems like a guy that's in the right place at the right time a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just very much like Ivy League sort of country club. Like, he, he basically is Nick Holloway. <laughs> Nick Holloway. What a good name, though. It's a, it's it's a very game. noirish name, that's for sure. Well, that was the thing. It's oh, like, why, if you're really going to really just kind of half do the noir thing, why are you even doing it? Like, at, at what point did you go, that's, you know what? Like, as, as a director, think about it, though. As John Carpenter, when you're making these decisions, it's like, all right, I can have a really good, you know, good voice. You know, Nick made his way through the city, you know, do that kind of thing. Or let's have Chevy voice it and maybe give a crap about it for like 30 seconds. I'll yeah. tell you where it comes from. I, I, I mean, I don't know for, for, in, for a fact. But I have to feel it comes from what they did do in this movie at, at least one point is the classic visage of the Invisible Man is the trench coat with the fedora or the trilby, whichever one you want to put yeah. on him, which is a very yeah. noir look. Yeah. And so that you run with it because like that's going to be the look. It's got to be in there. We have to have it. Hmm. It's right on the poster. Like the bandages flowing in the wind and the hat and everything. And then... I, I like that poster better than the one where it's like have Chevy Chase's face, but you know he probably commissioned a, a painter and it's like, look, like, I know they're not going to see me in this movie, but I got to be on the poster. So can you just do a little bit of it? Like a little bit of my face? Can we, can we compromise? Well, they, you always, they always talk about it in the same thing with bands and, and all that, that you have to have a certain, like their logo has to be a certain size and stuff. Like yeah. when, when Chevy was on this, well, you get 13%. Why, why only, well, you're invisible. Yeah. <laughs> or what if what if he was invisible like he was in the poster where it's just the cut out of his eyes nose and mouth floating around not the entire head floating around just those parts kind of like the makeup scenes yes it, it would have been though very interesting if this is something where let's say the film was exactly the way it is now nothing was changed but for okay. some reason when everybody watched it it blew their fucking minds Imagine what would have happened, what Chevy Chase would have been cast in after that, and what changes would have been done in movies after that, because holy crap, did you see memoirs of an invisible man? I heard they're getting Chevy Chase, who's gonna, he's gonna be in Jurassic Park, man. It's gonna be amazing. You know, it's like that nightmare scenario, too. It it would have been really weird. It would have been really weird. Chevy Chase in Event Horizon. It's not just gonna be Sam Neill. He's taking over. You know, you can take other people's roles over. This doesn't have to be just Sam Neill. You can't really leave because uh, she won't let you. Or rather, I won't let her marry him. You know. I'm sorry, Mike. That has got to be the weirdest impression I've ever. I like for a second. I mean, I know what you're doing, but I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) And the world would not have known what was happening if this movie was a hit. I mean, you you have to assume they. Either they would have done a straightforward sequel, or since they're going in like a noirish comedy thing, and the way that this movie does end, they probably would have tried to do memoirs of the son of the invisible man or something. Oh, yeah, I thought like, it was gonna be memoirs of the couple. I thought they were gonna it'd both be turn son into of the mask. mask. That's what it would be. 
Oh, we all know how well that turned out. But oh, no, well, going, going back to it real quick, when did LA Confidential come out? 97. 97. Okay, what if you took that entire cast and more gave them memoirs of an invisible man? I, I don't want to hear this blast. I don't want to even think of this blasphemy. I don't, no, I don't even want to, I don't want to even tempt it in the world. Of wake up and a genie made it happen. Please. No, please don't ruin it. Guy Pierce is Nick Holloway and Russell Crowe is David Jenkins. I mean, think about, I mean it. Yes. You, if you really wanted to go down that road of this, okay. Yeah. You Kim know, Basinger, Kim, Kim Basinger slips in for Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Uh, James Cromwell slips in for Steven Tobolowsky. Although Steven Tobolowsky is always fantastic. Um, who's Michael, you know what? Who's Michael McKeon? DeVito. <laughs> we're certainly not using Spacey. <laughs> if we were in a pre, yeah. If we were in a pre, um, I don't know how to dance. If, if we did not know what we know now about Kevin Spacey, yeah. he might have been a good choice for the the. But we didn't know that in '92 either. <laughs> I am. I know this knowledge now, and if I'm going back in time to make this movie better, I am not letting that happen. Hell, at that point, Pluto was still a planet, and not a streaming service. So, uh, what other one to think about? What if you? Because one of the things that doesn't make sense in this movie is kind of the time frame, where it like feels like they're trying to make an older movie, or mm -hmm. like make some of it in the past. It, it's kind of like the animated Batman, where you're like, are you in the future or the past, or where are you at? But anyways, um. Imagine if they put this into the realm of like a min uh, minority report. Oh, that would not only be very interesting, but I just need to throw in a minor note because, well, not a minor note, but uh, since you mentioned Batman, the animated series, Shirley Walker does an amazing job on this film score, just like she did on Batman, yeah. the animated series. Like I, I, the music sells the noir better than Chevy Chase does. <laughs> Jimmy Chase can't sell anything. That, that that's the one thing in this movie. It's like, ooh, boy, buddy. That that, that would be really like, what if Michael McKean just played Nick Holloway? What if you swap him with Chevy Chase? Just swap Michael McKean into anything, really. Let's be let's be honest. Well, yeah, Michael McKean is a legend, and he will always stay that way. Uh, again, unless he spaces himself, and I don't think he will. But anyway, there that that would that's just a simple flip right there. Like McKean can do the spectrum of acting and can do dramatic stuff and like interesting stuff. And then Chevy just gets to be Chevy in the Michael McKean role. It's just like, Oh yeah, my friend. Oh yeah. She's hot. Oh, yeah. I know who drinks this vodka. Well, let's, let's be honest. I mean, as much as I love Michael McKean, just like you and everybody, you know, the, the, the Hollywood system works in a specific way. And to them, even when he was younger, thinner, more hand, you know, you know, like the, that really handsome guy, he was not the leading man. Which is and a shame. They're not going to give him. They're not going to give him the role. Which was an amazing shame because, like, back in the Laverne and Shirley days, like Michael McKean was built and just like even if, even remember was a Invisible Man, he was still he still had yeah, that look. He, the man's never the man really never has looked bad to be honest. He's always no, no. he's just kind of he he's almost like an immortal. I'm just going through in my head all the different people that make a worse Nick Holloway. Worse is Shatner? Did you say Shatner? No, I said Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> that would have been I fun, want my molecules back. I want my, my worst molecules back. back. I don't know why, but I thought of Andrew Dice Clay. 
Oh, <laughs> that bitch took my molecules and a couple other things. Oh, but look, but the, but those are like, yeah, those are like very out there personalities. Where, where is there somebody who maybe really wanted to try who would have been worse at that time period? Let's say. Oh, so you're saying like they they were actually trying, but it just turned out worse. Yeah, or or again, like somebody who had like I'm not saying Chevy Chase could never have done a good role dramatically. But you could you could see them giving him the shot again, where Godfrey and, and well, Andrew well yeah. Dice, of course, there's a little bit of a difference because he can calm himself down and, and not do the the personality. But no, we're th- we're that's what we're thinking. We're thinking of their quote unquote personalities. Who is more of like the straight kind of shooter, even if they're comedic or not? Maybe they were just like young stars, but never had dramatic chops. Who You're trying to find a Sam Worthington. You're trying to find a Sam Worthington. Where it's like Hollywood wants this guy to happen, and it's just not happening. Yeah, but maybe not. Maybe, again, maybe not the guy. Who, not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying around that time, in like the in the early '90s, late '80s, if you want, you know, somebody who's like, oh, that would have been that would have been weird to see. I wonder if they could have pulled it off. I did not prep for this course. Now it's gonna be silence, but we all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good silence because it's a good fucking question. No, it is interesting because who else was because like you said, uh, I think it was Mike at the beginning of this that it was Wayne's World that mm. came out that same week. So what other movies were right around 92 that were kind of big at the time? Well, you look, you, you already hit on it. Mike Myers. Really? Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm like not Mike's never really done like a, a perfect lead straight role but he's done straight roles before so i'm wondering yeah. what about what about it at the time would he have been the kind of person you could think about would have done worse i, I know I'm, maybe did not have done worse maybe done better but he's somebody that we could have thought about maybe for it i don't know <laughs> maybe i, I think wouldn't think of him for it at all i think mike myers no. was still too we're still a couple of years away from when he tries to branch out in that sort of thing with 54 all right like, so, so they, need, they need to be a little they need to be more ready for that okay. yeah yeah because myers at this point like he had the wayne's world movies i wonder if this is around the time he wrote sprockets to try and get that made i and, want a sprockets movie i still want a sprockets movie. and it's he's only a couple years away from well i guess it was around the same time that he did austin powers and uh no that was that was that was that that was that was way after though well no austin powers was 96 97 i want to say and 54 was around 97 98 yeah what but about, that's still that's still like because 92 i know it i know year wise it's only a certain amount but like the feel it's it doesn't fit what about what michael saying, keaton 1992 michael keaton but he already he already did batman of, i was just gonna say if you could oh so you you want just oh okay oh, I, I get what you're saying um joe pesci it's a, good, it's a different good. kind of serious, but too short. But with that, too short. <laughs> what if the but, Invisible Man was only five feet but tall? With, but that's interesting you say that because again, he's done dramatic stuff and he definitely showed it, and it's around the same time. But Daniel Stern, Daniel Stern would have been really cool. That's yeah, that's a yeah, good. Now, I'm actually going now. I'm going in the opposite direction because I was thinking somebody who would do worse than Chevy because Daniel Stern would do well. I think. Well, I was also thinking it's it's young in his career at this point, but you get Stanley Tucci in that role. Too short. How about Woody Harrelson? Ooh, at the time. Good good thinking. At the time. Hmm. Hmm. Or exactly. Christian Bale. 
He was too young at this point. Well, he was doing newsies. I mean, he could be. Yeah, but he also did. He also did Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> screw you. I'm just looking at Google right now, and that's the best I can come up I'm with. I'm just looking at people that acted in movies at this point. Actually, I, I think the Woody Harrelson's a good because at that point, because I always say this, I I don't know if I've ever told you this, Mike, and this is something that I actually want to say to Woody Harrelson's face as a compliment. Like, I don't want him to take this the wrong way. If, if you have to tell someone I'm saying this as a compliment, you I know. probably should th- rethink it. No, but here's, let me, but let me, but I'm, I'm not saying it to his face. I'm saying it to you guys. So here's my thing about Woody Harrelson. That makes it way better. <laughs> I you know, think Woody Harrelson, even though people praise a lot of the roles he's done in the past, as they should. Yeah. I think Woody Harrelson may be one of the best actors to ever live because... And this, I only thought of this after I saw that big 60 Minutes piece on him back in the 90s where to him and Willie Nelson in Hawaii. In real life, like on a day-to-day basis, if you were to sit with him in his house, he is such a fucking space cadet that Woody from Cheers is a fucking brilliant performance. And that's why he's so good because he's just such, he's just so far gone in his day-to-day life that even him just being a silly jerk yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's actually we're doing a great job. See, we talked about this on the 95 KGGO podcast of movies. Oh. Not to plug anybody or send them to kggo.com slash Anyways, um, no, we actually talked about uh Woody Harrelson because I was like, I, I always feel like he's the guy that it's it's and I can't remember exactly how I said it, but it's like is he really that good or are we all kind of bamboozled by this dude or is he that good? It, it, there seems like a lot of floating territory out there when it comes to Woody, you know? And this, was, I remember we did that because that was around the time he uh, got of that scrape with that guy. Yeah. Cause we were trying to figure out why it was. And then it was like, Oh, Woody was completely in the right on it. But well, I, there's all these stories you hear. Like I remember when no country for old men came out during, during the press junkets, um, Brolin and, and Bardi M were, were together and they would always joke about how he could never remember his lines and how like they just kept making like not making fun of him, but they just like they couldn't like they just couldn't deal with it day to day, not in a bad way. They were just laughing about it. And I'm sure that's the case. Like I'm sure he he probably has maybe an earpiece or somebody helping him cue at times, yeah. especially now. But that still doesn't change the fact of like there are like there are bad movies he's been in. Where and I'm talking about like the really good performance. Of, I can't even remember the name of the movie now. What was it? With the the Will Smith movie was it Seven Pounds or whatever? Where like he's trying to like do good by people he like hurt like. By, that was Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, Woody yeah, Allison yeah. plays like, the the telemarketer who's blind. Yeah. And he's fucking heart wrenchingly amazing in like the two scenes he has. Yeah. And it, it's like you can't take it away from him. I'm sorry. I, you know, you just can't. So which Invisible Man movie do we would we rather see Kevin Bacon in this or Hollow Man? I'd rather see him in this. Because I think he would have been Kevin Bacon would have actually been yeah. real in this. Yeah. I was actually another one I was gonna throw at you because of just because of the time period. I was look it up. Uh remember Cool World? <laughs> yes. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. Good thinking. Just thinking. I was like, again, oh we're going, we're going on somebody who would be better in it than worse. Where we, because that was the original idea, was that would do worse than Chevy Chase. But you're right. But as far as doing better, you're but, dead. You're dead on. Yeah. 
it, it's one of those things though. It's kind of one of those questions where you're trying to say, okay, it, it, you know, go back to uh dark Knight when everybody, you know, was like, Heath Ledger is going to be the Joker. It's kind of hard to say, yeah, this guy would completely tank or this guy is going to do, you know, knock it out of the part and be the best Joker ever. Yes. I said that. Um, but it, it's kind of one of those, you know, conversations where it's like, oh God, I don't know who would have done it worse. You know, yeah. William yeah. Shatner though, that, that is a good one. <laughs> the like bar is kind of low really when we're, and that, again, you know, Chevy Chase does, does decent by this movie. And frankly, I, I watched it again and I do still like it. It's yeah, just, that's the thing. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, you don't buy and they're really important bits like the but, romance and the noir. That's the thing about this movie, though. If you took this movie and cut it up and showed it to people that have never heard of it and had no idea what was going on, and don't speak uh, you, could, you, you could show them different scenes of this and say, okay, what kind of movie is this? And if you, sent, if you showed them five scenes from the five different types of movies this is a part of, you'd get five different answers. They'd be like, oh, this is a rom-com or, oh, this is, you know, an action movie or, you know, a comedy or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, and I don't want to change the subject. Not, well, not change the subject. I don't want to go backwards. But in talking there, I do think I know the person who would have done worse. Who? And it's somebody who has had decent roles, but I'm talking about at the time, would never been able to pull it off, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. yeah I, don't no. think he, I don't think he would have been able to pull. I think Chevy Chase pulls off better than what Charlie Sheen could have put out at that point. And again, this is after um, uh, Wall that? Street. And after Platoon, but Emilio, that's, that's honestly, that's why I thought of Charlie Sheen because Emilio popped in my head from something you said. And then I went, no, I'll go Charlie first. I'll just leapfrog straight to Martin at this point. Or you know what? There's probably some question, like you could have put some, uh, like imagine it with an older actor than like, it, you take the love story part out and you use an older actor that, you know, like an Anthony Hopkins or something. I know, I know that sounds weird. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood or something. I mean, that probably would have been worse. Um, who else is old and at the time kind of Tom Heston? Oh, give Stallone. me my molecules back. You Stallone. Back. Stallone. Well, oh, all right, all right, okay, all right. I want to back up here too because now we're going to talk another. We're not going to talk another. Trying not to be backhand a compliment, and we're going to do it. We're going to eventually do a Copland episode. Copland. But the fact that Sylvester Stallone did not get every award known to man for fucking Copland is a joke <laughs> because in a movie, in a movie where you have, whether or not you think these people are good actors or not, where you have like the pantheon of what everybody claims to be the best actors, to have Stallone be quiet, subdued, and just gentle the entire time, he fucking killed that goddamn movie. And I hate people who don't give him credit for it. I'm sorry. Okay, but if we're casting Stallone, then we need Schwarzenegger as the bad guy because it works. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I just thought of the perfect one that would be, and it, and it fits with the time period because he was trying to break into movies and stuff. Are you ready? Hulk Hogan. That's just going, that's, that's going the Godfrey route. That's good. Man no, I, think about it. Like, uh, uh, Mr. Nanny was coming out at the time. Uh, what was uh, Suburban Commando? Uh, you know, you have in paradise. Yeah. Like it's kind of around that time period. It's kind of, Oh, Hulk Hogan's going to do a serious role. Well, brother, they took my mom. The right guard commercials. (laughs) It would have been better if they just kept Chevy chase, but instead of Daryl Hannah, they had Hulk Hogan. (laughs) That's the love interest. 
That would be really, that would be, <laughs> that would have been better. Invisible man's gun to your head. Who would you rather sacrifice to get this movie off the ground? Hulk Hogan or Rob Schneider? Oh, I would, I would sacrifice Rob Schneider in a heartbeat. Like, you is way, 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 you're way too wait. early for Rob Schneider though. That Rob Schneider's late nineties before anybody considered putting him in anything. About, uh, I know he'd done some dramatic stuff, but uh, Scott Bakula. At that point, he was, get, uh, wait, what? I know he would, it had done some dramatic stuff, but what about Scott Bakula as that part? That's who I thought you said, and I buy it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good thing, though. Yeah. This is quite no, that's a, that, I, I know it's a good thing, but I mean, it's, it's one of those ones. It's like, wow, I wonder what would have been of his career if he would do this. And man, if you just had 25% less problems than what you had already. If everybody just loved Lord of Illusions, then we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Now this just makes me sad because we lost Dean Stockwell this week. Yeah, yeah. Not just this week, just like a day ago. Well, yeah, but at, at the time when we're gonna, you know, we have to we have to think globally with this or like time two, day, two, two days ago. <laughs> Jesus, it's not what, time travel. He died this week or yesterday. It's fine. Both of you go to your separate corners now. I'm uh, here. The guest just comes in and thinks he's he's the talent. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just I'm just messing Chevy up. Chase wouldn't come on the show. Doesn't mean we don't love you. Look, but just like just like we all said, and you, and you got both of you guys said just a few minutes ago, it's true. Like, look, it's it's so weird to say it because I I can't say it's a good movie. And I know everything that's wrong with it, but I, I still I, I still like it. I still want to watch it. Do you think it's because of when you when you saw it? Absolutely. Like an age range? Oh, 100%. Okay. See, I don't because I, I was, I, again, I was in that similar, we're all in a similar age group here where it's like around this time, we're all just getting into, okay, I don't just want to watch, you know, Disney animated movies. I want to watch stuff that I know. Chevy Chase, you know, everybody loves him. Okay, Invisible Man movie? Oh, yes. Yeah, but think, think about it from the mindset of somebody who was literally born, who's now an actual adult by, by, by law, who was born after Lord of the Rings came out. And thinking about them going back and seeing something like, again, I, I'm not trying to put it against anybody because I know a lot of young people go back and watch older films that didn't have an amazing special effects and they, they adore them and they love them. But think about what you're watching here as somebody who's like, Oh, I'm going to watch a visible man movie with a guy from community that everybody talks about, you know, it's like, I don't know how many people could glom onto it the way we may have it. It's the same thought as Modern Family and telling somebody to go back and watch Married with Children. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow, yeah. I, I want to watch that reaction. God, that's such a great series. It's so strange. And, like, I think about this all the time. But I was, it was funny because before getting on here, I was just killing some time. So I was watching, as Mike knows, I've, I've, I've gotten into sometimes watching some of these YouTubers who react to films they've never seen before. And I actually was watching one from somebody we invited on the show who's hopefully going to come on soon. Um, and he was, this is his first time watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And hearing him say he's never heard of it before and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I get, I get it. You know, like I get that people aren't going to hear about certain things unless it comes into their point of view, but knowing how much people can ingest now, how have you never heard the name Monty Python? It makes no sense to me. 
Yeah, but you go back and there's probably someone that would go, what, you've never heard of Glenn Miller? That, that, well, here's the thing. And I, I understand and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think it's just a generational thing where. But that's, but that's, and that, cause I think that too, I think, as I think it, I start thinking, well, you know, of course, but, and that now, I'm, but in my head, I can only think of things the way I think of them. Because for me as a child, whether it was people saying things and me hearing it, or so many people telling me specific things, I was aware of so much, even if I didn't know what the hell it was. And again, I'm not saying that you have to have seen any of it, know what it means, but just how is like the word never crossed? Here's a good example. My brother, when he was in college, went mm. to visit a friend. So they're 18 years old. This is in the late 90s. Guys in, and I understand Monty Python's a little bit of a different thing, but guys in a room, and it's a guy he never knew, and they're looking at posters, and he sees a Jimi Hendrix poster, and he's, I don't know who that is. How have you never heard the name Jimi Hendrix? I don't get it. I, I think I have a partial answer for you, I think. I think it's one of those things where, because we deal, it with, deal with it in radio a lot, because when people had the ability to choose, you know, have everything at their fingertips, that's when entertainment really changed. So you go back to uh, when we were kids or, you know, back in our day type thinking. But I mean, you think about the, the, the way late 80s. Yeah. You, <laughs> late, I'm sorry, the late, 18, the late 1900s. As I'm, yes. Let's make it sound as old as possible. We, we found but out I mean, that's, what, that's what TikTokers call the 90s is the late 1900s. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're back in the roaring 20s at this point. But anyways, you think about how you, how every, not, not just, you know, uh, 40 year olds, 30 year olds and so on and so forth. But you think about how people consume media at the time. There were movie theaters, there was TV, there was regular TV, there was cable TV. And that was pretty much, oh, and your radio and, you know, maybe a CD, maybe a home rental plank. But I mean, everybody was kind of on equal terms as to where they were consuming their media from. Everybody was kind of getting it from the same place. Now, it's one of those things where, you know, some people have never heard of having, you know, cable TV. It's always been an app. Uh, you have YouTube. You Like you brought up, the YouTube stars, where uh, my kid could name all of these different YouTube stars, but if I put a picture of Tom Hanks in front of him, he wouldn't know who he is. But, I mean, I, and Who's granted, he's, that? well, his mom's. Um, whoa, she's not going to listen to this. I could no say wonder he's doing this, no wonder he's doing this episode from the studio. Exactly. But, but really, I mean, you think about how people consume media and, uh, the, you know, it, as, as crazy as it sounds, you know, there's one guy that he goes through and he does, uh, uh, Jamal, AK Jamal, I think is his oh, name. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I like him. I love him. Yeah. 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 But I mean, he goes through and listens to old classic rock songs. And it's like, how have you never heard, you know, uh, you know, any one number of different Metallica songs when they're one of the most popular bands or, you know, all this. But it's I think that's what it is. It's it's how we consume media is. And we were kind of one of the last generations to be kind of like, you know what? There's one bucket for media and that's where you get it from. Yeah. But like, let's use him as an example, too, because he is definitely somebody that. And you can he's tell great, like, a lot times he recognizes stuff. He's like, oh, I, I know this. I just never knew yeah. it was them. And, but like when we were younger and when he was younger, cause he's our age. Yeah. You know, if you were into only, you know, soul R and B 
and that's only the radio you listen to. And when yeah. he had something else come on, you weren't going to watch it. You may know the name Metallica, but you may not know the song. I can yeah. understand that because if that's your putting your view in that, but you know, but you know what's yeah. around you. Where now, where it's not only is everything coming at your face all of every five seconds. That sounded wrong. Uh, very, very, <laughs> I'm jealous. It's <laughs> it's 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 something where there's so much that I can understand where there are certain things that you probably didn't hear of and will pass by you because there is so much of it. But there are certain things, again, because when you are in a field where you have a certain interest, yes, you're going to start to learn things later on down the road. Yeah. But it's awkward to me when you've never heard just just the name. And again, you don't have to know what it means. You don't have to know anything about it. It's just the fact that the name, even... Even you if you say heard of memoirs of an invisible can't remember man. specifically, but you just know you may have heard it somewhere. Like to not even have that is weird to me. To me, it's weird. No, I and I'm not saying it's not weird, and that some people may not be sheltered. I mean, I can. I've got a great example. I don't want to say it, but there was a, a music festival around here. Listen, I've been in the music business in this in in my area for almost 20 years. Had never heard of this music festival until about three years ago, and it's a big deal. But the thing about it is it's not up my lane of music. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That's crazy. I can't believe that's there. But, uh, you know, here's a great example of how people are going to be separated into, you know, what they know and what they don't think about all the movies that are just on Apple TV, you know, like the Tom Hanks stuff that's coming out, like Finch yeah. or, you know, uh, the, the Greyhound and all that. There's some people that are never going to see that and have no idea anything about it because it's on a different platform that we don't subscribe to. True. And yeah. it's not like that's ever going to just pop up on HBO anymore. Like you said, with this movie where it's like, hey, uh, it's a word. Just, just throw it on and put my blue heaven after it, you know? Well, you need <laughs> we to look at, look at how we, we access this movie now. I think, I specifically remember this was on HBO Max at one point and it was probably yeah. going to be because again, Warner Brothers has that catalog of titles. They want to throw in as much as they can to sort of give people, make it look like the bang for their buck. Yeah. But now you have to either rent it or you have to use Canopy, which is a ser uh, another one of those services that people may not know of. Like Tubi, that's like free streaming, but this one's free if you have university or library access, which they have a- Only specific, let's again, let because I, I I have a library card. I still can't get into it because my library is oh, yeah. not part of that network. And this is also how I saw The Silent Partner for one of our earlier episodes. I watched it through through Canopy. Oh, Silent. I mean, you just have to go to a porn hub to get your porn now. I mean, you okay. used to have to raid your old man's closet. I mean, what kind of world are we living in? I do not understand how there's not somebody, and maybe this exists, I don't know. But how is there not somebody who goes to like Pornhub and these sites and just uploads full movies that have nothing to do with porn? Uh, they do. They, they do, okay. There was a case where I forget what two countries it was, but it was like, I think it was like Brazil. And I'm just gonna take an example, like Brazil playing soccer against another country. And someone had a video of like young Brazilian, uh, get uh, someone runs a train on a young Brazilian, and it was like a particularly scathing goal that was scored against them. This is that's, that's just a clip. That's a clip. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Upload a movie. 
I think someone did. I, I I don't remember what specifically, but I think someone did upload like a whole movie. Mike goes <laughs> right to the. Well, I got an example that involves running a train on somebody, and I oh have to get this out. <laughs> someone probably put Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Oh, I have been waiting for this day for a long time. <laughs> this, and here's the thing: before you before you say it, this is perfect because I think we're coming up on time. So this is the perfect way. <laughs> To leave this episode let's hear it <laughs> yeah fuck talking about the movie at this point what are we coming to this show for you just gave up on it with about 20 minutes left in it but i mean how many people have just given up on this movie i mean when was the last time anybody ever brought up memoirs of an invisible man you remember that movie <laughs> well i thought oh, i thought you had an actual example i was i was keying up for a big example of running a train I thought you had oh, really? I you had a funny story. Oh, all well, right. Well, it involves my wedding night, and I just don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay, all right. We went I to told, Pornhub and uploaded a copy of Thomas. And I, I told I told all those people I'll give you five minutes to quit that. This has just gone. This has gone so many ways of weird. <laughs> this is what happens when you scrape the bottom of the barrel. We couldn't get anybody on from the movie, so we're going to have this guy on. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, you fucking crybaby. We asked you on here because you're fun. Well, Matt didn't know that. Matt didn't know I'm fun. He was taking your word for it. Let's face it. Yeah, well, taking my word for it. There you go. Case fucking closed. So... What yeah, would you salvage say, this, Matt? Salvage this. Wrap this up. Would you I'm say? I'm not mistaken. I'm the one that put this on the damn list anyway. <laughs> would you say if Lee Wannell's Invisible Man failed it to did. finally bring back the Invisible Man theories into theories uh, style into fashion? Do you think they would have remade this movie? No. This very much feels like. I'm I am really curious to go back and read the book now. I want to see how much different the book is from the movie, but this feels like a product very much of its time right down to again Spielberg and Crichton coming up. Well, Spielberg already up, Crichton coming up strong, Chevy Chase getting cast as a lead like I you know what? I I'm not convinced that it wouldn't have been made. I it just like it maybe at a different time. But like you know, you said Chevy Chase was really yeah. into this at some point. Which you would have think like think about that for a second. How much of a a hole are you if you're this is your passion project, but I'm only going to give fifty percent. Yeah, <laughs> like really. Look, well, we, we've all heard the stories of just Chevy Chase in general. So, like, who knows what? Even if let's say somebody gave him full reign to do something on his own, whether he just get pissed off at it anyway. True. And I would think maybe the best case scenario that what would happen with this is it's something like sneakers where you heard that NBC or what about Bob even NBC uh. was going to do, I think NBC was going to do sneakers. What about Bob might've been an ABC thing, but they were going to do series based on these things yeah. and like rebooting them. And they never happened. I can, I wouldn't mind a reboot of this. Would, it be, would it be time then to do the serialized whether it be streaming or TV version. Guys, you know they're just going to cast Chris Pratt in this. Well, he's invisible to me after that Twitter post. Sorry, sorry. I don't hate it. <laughs> no, I, but I, what, I would like to see this story told well. Does that make sense? 
Okay, no, yeah. let me back up though. That when you say this story, yeah. you mean any Invisible Man story? Because I think the Lee Wannell film, even though it's completely different, it's just taking the idea of having an invisible person. I don't, I don't think it would work <sighs> as a TV series. I think you'd have to do, I think you'd have to do a movie. Mike, what was what was that? What was that? Was that a disapproving of the Lee Wannell film? What was that? I, I don't know. Oh, definitely disapproving of the Lee Wannell film. Interesting. You're like you're one of the very few. Yeah, I know. Wait, I which care. one? The Lee the Lee Wannell film, The Invisible Man, that came out uh, what, two years ago. Oh, you know, that last one. Yeah, last year. Okay. I just year? I want to, I like I like the premise though of the Invisible Man who doesn't want to be invisible, who's trying to get his molecules back, and. No, but you think about it. I mean, yeah, how many when it would you whenever any Invisible Man movie comes out now, it's like, oh, I bet he go does he go nuts? Yeah. 50 on black here. I bet I've got a pretty good shot at it. But is this I mean, a story about hubris and security and the ethics of playing God? Because if it is, <laughs> I mean it 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 just seems like that's every Invisible Man movie now is, you know, it starts with Kevin Bacon. So I can see his oh, yeah. formed wiener flopping around on the. Well, <laughs> also, that's just how it started originally. That's Claude Rains' Invisible Man went mad with power. The man starts the movie. He's like, but first, a reign of terror. I will leave you with Great this. Line. I will leave you with this before we wrap up, because just going back to the idea of people wrap never up. hearing. Going back to the idea of people never hearing about things. I recently heard somebody talking about the Lee Wano Visible Man and then saying, oh, it's a remake, right? Of that Kevin Bacon movie. You know, <laughs> Kevin Bacon did, did that movie. They, they did not, I, I'll, hopefully she doesn't listen to this, but I brought my friend with me to the screening of the Lee Wano Visible Man. She did not know that it was an H.G. Wells story from back in the day. Did not know that it was even then, even if you want to consider, even if you thought the Universal Monsters, the original Universal Monsters was where it started, people don't know the, the history of Invisible Man. It's weird. It's an underused thing. And it's, you know, you pigeonhole it into the just dude that's going to go nuts and kill everybody and mad with power, reign of terror, all that. I, I like the idea, or you go to back to uh, Extraordinary Gentleman, the the Invisible Man and that. He wasn't trying, I mean, he, he wasn't a great person, but I mean, he wasn't trying to kill everybody. He didn't go nuts. He wanted the cure. He wanted to go back to being a person again. But, you know, you go back to the, you know, Memoirs of Invisible Man. He He's a guy that was in the wrong place at the wrong time, got turned invisible. He's scared of the government coming after him, and he's trying to get away. He I think that he's back. I think that's a great, that's a different take on the Invisible Man thing. And I, you know what? Maybe that's why I like it. It's because it is different. It's just not, hey, I'm going to murder everybody and we're going to all die in this elevator shaft. Yeah, so before, oh, because Universal turned it into the Universal Monster, people think that the Invisible Man automatically has to be a monster. So with that. So we're, uh, we're, we're wrapping up the Invisible Man. In uh, memoirs of an invisible man. Okay. Today's gauze. So, uh, Adam, where yes. can people find you uh, if they want to find you? In Iowa. Well, I guess that's it, uh, <laughs> okay. ladies and gentlemen. That's been overdue rentals. <laughs> I, 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 permission to treat the witness as hostile. Okay. Uh, no, you can find me. Uh, I host the afternoon show on 95 KGGO uh, in Des Moines. Mike Reyes is a part of that show on Fridays. We talk about movies. Fuck him. <laughs> I think he's a weirdo, but you know, 
I didn't make him his own wand or anything, but you know, two, one for my wife too. Yeah, I know, right? Matt ever craft you something with his hands? Oh, was it one time in Canada? It was a <laughs> yeah. I crafted a massage. Ah, gotcha. Uh, you can also find uh, the podcast one five one the show one five one the show dot com. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I do appreciate it. Thank you for coming by. Mike, Mike, though, before we tell everybody to cross the Memoirs of Invisible Man off their Overdue Rentals list, where can people find us? Ah, well, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you just want to send us an email to tell us about a movie that you want to see or you just want to give us some great feedback, which you do, send us an email over at OverdueRentals at gmail.com. And don't forget to find Overdue Rentals back episodes and recent episodes everywhere you find your fine podcasts thank you adam for joining us oh thank you for having me i appreciate it thank you for being here bottom of the barrels never look better <laughs> i had fun i really did it was good well, we had fun with you and you sent you 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 uh there, there is an episode that I'm, I'm hoping we do bring you back for but uh we'll talk about that off air because we need to know our exit okay blah blah blah, blah, blah.